This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Is Paul George the MVP frontrunner? Could LeBron and the Lakers actually miss the playoffs? And Isaiah Thomas makes his long-awaited return from injury. Let's talk about it. What's happening, guys? Welcome to the official first episode of the Sir Charles in Charge podcast, aka the SCIC show. Hope you're all doing amazing today. I'm your host, Jamie Campbell, and we've got some major stories to get through today, so let's just jump right into it. Alright, so we're starting the show off talking about Paul George of the Oklahoma City Thunder and how he is seriously making a case for MVP this year. He has been playing absolutely phenomenally on both ends of the court and is the number one reason why OKC are currently sitting at third in the Western Conference. So I want to dive into his case for MVP a little bit and just just how likely it is that he could actually win the most coveted individual award in the NBA. So typically, in order to win an MVP award, you need to excel in four main areas. There's the statistical category. So obviously, you need to be putting up good numbers. Well, great numbers. Uh, Then comes winning. So how good your team is, how good your record is. Then you have the narrative or storyline. Now, this is what tends to influence the voters. So if you've got a good story to go along with your winning record and amazing stats, then you're on a you're on a pretty good road. And finally, we've got signature games or MVP moments. So those those games where you're just watching the guy and think, wow, he just cannot be stopped. And we're gonna have a look at Paul George and how he does in each of these categories. So first up, we've got the statistical category. Now, he's he's got this one locked down. He's currently putting up 29 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and he's leading the league with 2.3 steals a night as well. He's also connecting on 41% of his 3-pointers while taking 9.5 per game. That's the new age NBA for you. <laughs> And not only that, Paul George is putting up career highs in points, rebounds, tied for a career high in assists, career high in steals, three-point percentage, free throws made, free throws attempted per game, and true shooting percentage. Now, that is just incredible. Incredible. Uh, to be in his ninth season, I think it is, and to still be to be putting up career highs in that many major statistical categories is just is almost unheard of. So, statistical category, big massive tick for Paul George there. Now let's move on to the team record. So currently, Oklahoma City are sitting at 37-19, and 19, which is third in the Western Conference. So at the moment, they're on pace for about 54 wins, 
which is more than enough for PG to lock up the MVP award. So they're currently one and a half games back of Denver for the second slot in the Western Conference. But let's let's just assume the seeds are going to stay the same. So if I'm a team like the Kings or the Lakers or the Spurs, I'm actually wanting to get that seventh seed instead of that sixth seed. Because I don't know about you, but I would rather face the Denver Nuggets in the first round as opposed to this Thunder squad. And that mainly being due to experience. So obviously for the Thunder, you've got PG and Russ, both with a hell of a lot of playoff experience under their belts by this stage. And then you look at the Denver team, super young team outside of players like Isaiah Thomas. They really don't have a lot of playoff experience on that squad. And experience does play a major role when we get into the playoffs. So anyway, tangent aside... Oklahoma City are winning more than enough for PG to have a serious case for MVP. Now let's move on to the narrative storyline category. So what's Paul George got going for him here? I mean, first off, this is this is a major bounce-back season for PG. I mean, it's not like he had a bad year last year. It was just a little bit underwhelming, a little bit disappointing his first year in Oklahoma City. And I think that could be said for the team as a whole. I mean, to flame out in the first round of the playoffs to the upstart Utah Jazz team, I mean, it was a very disappointing way to end the year. But give PG credit, he has come back in the biggest way this year. And he's also defying expectations. I don't think I don't think anyone before the season could have predicted that Paul George would take this much of a leap this year. I mean, I think we all thought he was he was a pretty established two-way star in the league that could put up, you know, at his best, maybe like 23, 24 points a night, seven boards, three or four assists, you know, while playing lockdown defense on the perimeter. I mean, that's a pretty damn good player right there, but I don't think any of us could have seen this coming, him morphing into a legitimate go-to first option star, superstar, on a legitimate contender. So he's defying everyone's expectations. And then you've also got the the feel-good story of, um, remember his gruesome leg injury a couple of years ago playing for Team USA? Matt, and then he came back, what, the next season, I think he only played in six games, did not look like himself at all. He has come back from that injury he has overcome that major obstacle and become a top 10 player in the world so he's got he's got a he's got a pretty good narrative or storyline going for him as well and finally let's get to the signature mvp games those moments where you just sit back and think wow just wow and this year PG has had numerous games like this already. I'll go through a few of them. You got remember that game uh, against the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn, where PG had 47 points and 15 boards, including 25 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, he just took over that game down the stretch. Then you had he he had back to back 43 point performances at Sacramento and then at Utah both wins for Oklahoma City. You had uh, his first game playing in LA after he infamously turned down a meeting with the team in the summer when he was a free agent. He dropped 37 
on the Lakers that night in a 107-100 victory for Oklahoma City. Uh, then just just a couple of weeks ago, he had uh, 43 points, including 10 threes against the Miami Heat. And then just this past couple of games, scoring 45 at Houston in an MVP showdown with James Harden, where Oklahoma City came out on top. And he followed that up with a incredible 47.12 rebound, 10 assist triple-double against Portland. Side note for that game, him and Russ became the first duo in NBA history to both have 20-point triple-doubles in the same night. I mean, just outstanding. So there there you have it. There's Paul George's case for MVP, and the season isn't even over yet. We're just at the All-Star break now. So if he can continue this pace... I mean, he, he could legitimately be the front runner for the award, which is just incredible. And not only that, he is also a legitimate candidate for Defensive Player of the Year, and I think he should be considered for Most Improved Player as well. Now, I know it's a bit of a long shot because you got guys like Buddy Heald, Pascal Siakam and stuff in for the, in for the Most Improved Award, but um, if PG managed to managed to snatch that award up, he would become the first player ever to win that award twice, which I think is a testament to how dedicated he is to the game and the work that he puts in, which is just incredible. So, major props to PG for having such a phenomenal season, but even more so for being featured in the first episode of this show. And with that, it's time to move on to our second main story of today, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, what is going on with this team? Let's, let's, I'll give you a little recap. So, on Christmas Day of 2018, the Lakers blew out the Golden State Warriors. However, LeBron James, the most durable athlete in the NBA, one of the most durable athletes we've ever seen, went down with a groin injury and proceeded to miss 17 consecutive games, the most games he's ever missed in a season for his career. Uh, he's missed 18 games in total this year, and without him in the lineup, the Lakers have gone 6-12. and 12. So they are a lottery team without LeBron. But what's more worrying, since LeBron has come back from that injury in the games that he's played, he's played in five out of the six games, since coming back. The Lakers are 2-3 and three in those games. So remember, they, they beat the Clippers in overtime his first game back. Then they went ahead and lost by 42, I think, to the Pacers, which is the biggest loss in LeBron's career. They then had that thrilling, unbelievable, buzzer-beating win against the Celtics in TD Garden, which, I mean, at the time, that seemed like a turning point in their season. Like That was, that was incredible, that. But since then... They have gone and lost to the 76ers. They got blown out by 23. And just the other night, they lost by four to the lowly Atlanta Hawks, a team in the Zion sweepstakes, the Lakers, a team in almost desperation mode. They managed to lose to them, which is just mind-boggling. So let, let's try and dissect this, all right, and get to the root problem that the Lakers have. So, obviously, there were all the AD trade talks going on before the deadline. 
where the Lakers were basically offering anyone not named LeBron James. And especially since this is a team consisting of lots of young players, that's going to that's gonna play with their psyche a bit, all right? Which, which could explain why they seem a little bit disengaged uh, since, since the trade talks were going down. Now, obviously, you had uh, Rondo calling a practice that he organized where he proceeded to take uh, everyone's minds off, off all the drama surrounding the team. And then also you got uh, Magic Johnson who was also meant to be speaking to the team as well to try and clear the air so so hopefully hopefully they can uh hopefully they can do that uh sort out these issues that they have and hopefully get back on track after the all-star break uh but another problem that the Lakers will have to overcome is that teams around them in the west I mean first off the west is just stacked all right, it was at the start of the season, and now it's become even more stacked with teams around the Lakers that they're competing with, like the Kings and the Blazers, making pretty significant upgrades at the deadline. Obviously, you've got Sacramento acquiring Harrison Barnes from Dallas. He's a big addition on the wing there for them. And then, obviously, for Portland, they essentially just swapped Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin for Rodney Hood, who can be a terrific spark plug off the bench for them. So things haven't gotten any easier towards the bottom of the playoff race in the Western Conference. So, I mean, Lakers are going to have to get it together. Um, And then finally, you've also had the drama recently, especially after the Atlanta loss. Uh, You know, the rumors of, you know, Luke Walton being on the hot seat, potentially getting fired. Now, they have come out and said that um, his job is safe for the time being, which I think is the smart move. They, they, They can't afford to have any more drama than they already do. It can't be easy, you know, dealing with this constant constant pressure, constant scrutiny, uh, constant media attention, constant drama surrounding the team, especially when it's a young team like the like the Lakers. So, those are the problems that the Lakers are facing. How can they overcome these problems and make it into the playoffs? Well, I've got a list of three keys for them. First up, they got to decompress and really sort of come together over the All-Star break. I think LeBron, LeBron came out and said that they hope he hopes the young guys... Uh, find a way to decompress over the over the extended break. As well as that, on top of that, I think LeBron, Magic, Luke Walton, the leadership of this team really needs to bring everyone together, sort of unite the team and prepare them to make a run down the stretch. Next up, everyone's got to buy into their role and trust Luke Walton. Uh, so now that they've come out and said that Luke Walton's job is safe, they they all know that he's going to be their coach for at least the rest of the season. So they basically have no other option but to to just buy into this system. All right, and everyone needs to know the rules. That's on Luke Walton to establish a consistent rotation where everyone knows, understands, and is comfortable with their roles on the team. So that's on him, and that's on leadership to bring everyone together. And finally, the young guys have just got to follow LeBron's lead. I think we might need to, after the All-Star break, I think we might need LeBron to you know step into playoff mode a couple of months early. All right, so they need MVP LeBron, and if if he can do that, if he can step into playoff mode, the other guys should just follow in behind him. So, those are the three keys. Decompress and come together after the All-Star break. Uh, 
buy in and trust Luke Walton's system and hope that he builds a steady, consistent rotation. And finally, follow LeBron's lead and hope for him to step up into playoff mode. Well, it's either that or we're going to be in in uncharted territory here. I mean, LeBron hasn't missed the playoffs since his second season in the league. I mean, this would be totally uncharted territory. But, I mean, if I had to put money on it, I, I can't see them missing the playoffs. Man, LeBron, best player in the world still, best leader in basketball. Expect him to find a way to bring this team together and lead them on a little run to end this season. And with that, we come to our final main story for today, and that is Isaiah Thomas. So nearly a year after he had surgery on his hip, uh, Denver Nuggets guard Isaiah Thomas made his return last night against the Sacramento Kings. He, in just 13 minutes of action, he recorded eight points and two assists. Nothing special, but man, it was just good to see him back on the court. But what I wanted to talk about was his role with the team, and if he actually has one. So, if you haven't been following the Nuggets that closely this year, you might not know Monte Morris, their backup point guard, uh, Jamal Murray's backup, has been having a phenomenal season this year. He's been an incredibly steady, fundamentally sound guard off the bench, giving them about 11 points and 4 assists a night. But what stands out with Monte Morris's game is how well he takes care of the ball. In 25 minutes a night, he averages 3.9 assists and only 0.6 turnovers. That is a ridiculous stat. And it's something that makes him one of the more valuable backup guards in the league. And actually, when you compare him to Isaiah Thomas, especially this rusty Isaiah Thomas who's just come back from injury, and you see Morris does everything better than Thomas does outside of scoring. Isaiah Thomas, I think his ideal role with this team, he'll be playing no more than 20 minutes a night, and he'll just serve as like a spark plug off the bench to come in and give you little bursts of scoring and some playmaking off the bench. In order to do this, they might need to uh, play Jamal Murray more at the two instead of the one, which I think he he could actually thrive as the two in spurts. But it's going to be interesting to see how Isaiah Thomas you know, comes back and incorporates himself into this stacked Denver team, who is they're really shocking everyone this year with how good they are. But um, in order for Isaiah Thomas to thrive in this situation for the rest of this season, I think he needs to do three things. Number one, he's got to accept his role. So he's no longer he's no longer a starter. He's no longer a number one option like he was in Boston. He is a backup guard who comes in and provides instant offense. Think people like Lou Williams, Terrence Ross. Uh, what Jamal Crawford used to be, you know, guys like that. If he can accept that that is his role, then I think he's set to thrive in this up-tempo Denver offense. Next, since he thrives at scoring, he's going to have to do it efficiently. So if he can uh, get up to about, you know, 45-plus percent from the field, you know, maybe 37 to 40 percent of his threes, if he can do that, 
and we all know he's an excellent free throw shooter. If he can be that efficient coming off the bench, then there is certainly a place for him on this team. And finally, he's just got to play hard, man. And I, I don't think we need to worry about that. This guy, he's always played with a chip on his shoulder ever since he was drafted with the 60th pick, you know, back in the 2011 draft. So I don't think we need to worry about that. And although he likely will remain a liability on defense, as long as he plays hard, man, if he can bring the efficient scoring and the and the playmaking, then that should be able to cancel out the the negative that he is on defense. So I'm 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 really interested to see how this goes. I'll definitely be definitely be keeping updated with that. It's just really good to see him back on in the court and. Hopefully he can be successful and actually be a valuable piece to this Denver team as they look to compete in the Western Conference. And there we have it, guys. That does it for the first ever episode of the SCIC show. First of many. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be bringing out a new episode every week, so be sure to tell your friends, anyone in your family who's a huge NBA fan, you know, share the news, and I will catch you on the next one. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.